Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We began last week our study in the Ten Commandments. Now, remember, listen, give me your attention. Remember, keep in mind that these are not the ten initiatives. These are not the ten suggestions. The Bible teaches they are the ten commandments. These are commandments that are given to you and given to me to govern our lives. And again, listen, For the sake of clarity, let me have my Ten Commandments, if you will, on the screen. For the sake of clarity, because uh, many people don't know what the Ten Commandments are. Many people don't um, even uh, have any idea of what the First Commandment is or the Tenth Commandment or anything. And I thought over the next several Bible studies and next several weeks as we're doing our study in the Ten Commandments, why don't we just read them so you can get them etched in your brain and prayerfully at the end of our series on the Ten Commandments, you'll be able to uh, know them and maybe even memorize and recite them. So last week we, we, we recited them together and, and, and we're going to do it again this week and maybe we'll do it again next week. So the Ten Commandments, commandment number one reads what, saints? You shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make yourself a carved image. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. And you shall not covet anything of your neighbors. That is the Ten Commandments, saints. Remember I told you last time, this is very important. Please bear with me. I know that sometimes things seem redundant, but quite honestly, that's how we learn best. Say amen when you hear it over and over. Now, I want you to hear this over and over and over again. The law of God is divided into how many components? Very good. You have the law of God, or the laws divided into two components. You have the law of God, and you have the laws of Moses, and they are different. The law of God, we talked about it last time, is the first component, and the law of God is eternal, it's unchanging, and it's binding upon all men for all time. The law of God is the Ten Commandments. The law of God is found here in Exodus chapter 20. And then you have the second component of the law. It's the law of Moses. 
The law of Moses, are you listening? The law of Moses deals with the ceremonial and civil aspects of the nation of Israel. The law of Moses, listen close, is applicable to Israel only. The law of Moses is not applicable to the Gentile. And it's very, very important that you make this distinction. Go back and read Acts chapter 15 in your own time. But it's very, very important that you make this distinction because if you don't make this distinction, you will find yourself in legalism. That's how churches are Sabbath keepers because they don't make the distinction between the first component of the law and the second component of the law or the law of God and the law of Moses. You don't make that distinction, you will find yourself in trouble. Remember as well, last week we talked about the law of God and the law of Moses. The law of God was given audibly from Mount Sinai and everyone heard it. The law of Moses was given privately to Moses. The law of God was miraculously preserved in the Ark of the Covenant. The law of Moses was not to be kept in the Ark of the Covenant. The law of God, or pardon me, the law of Moses was dictated from God to Moses, and Moses put them in writing. The law of God, listen, was written with the finger of God on tablets of stone. The finger of God. Now, Bible students, listen close. The finger of God is a very interesting Bible study as you go through the scripture. The first time we see the finger of God, it's seen in Exodus chapter 8. We've already talked about it. The finger of God is pointing to the Egyptians in judgment. The second time we read of the finger of God, it's in Exodus chapter 31 verse 18. And God gave Moses two tablets of the law. And they were written, as I stated, with the finger of God. And again, it speaks of judgment. We then also read of the finger of God. Are you listening? In Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar, the king of Babylon, was throwing this huge party. Don't you know the story and don't you love it? It's one of the funniest in the Bible. One of my favorites. And, and, and Belshazzar is having this party and people are partying and dancing and doing whatever. And then the Bible tells us the finger of God showed up and wrote on the wall, mine, mine, tekel upharsin, which means you've been weighed in the balance and you've been found to be a lightweight. That's in Hebrew. It certainly is. And again, listen, the finger of God is declaring judgment. So what we see, the finger of God in Egypt, Sinai, and Babylon, and each time the finger of God is related to judgment. You're with me so far? Say amen. amen. In the New Testament, you fast forward to the New Testament, we see the finger of God again. This time we see Jesus who cast out a demon. And you know the story, the religious leaders were jealous and they accused him of casting out demons by the power of Satan. 
And Jesus said, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Luke 11, verse 20. Again, we see the finger of God in John chapter 8. Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. And remember, Jesus leaned down. And because Jesus is God, somebody say amen. amen. Because he is God, the finger of God began to write in the sand. And each one of those accusers of that woman, they began to walk away. And scholars love to speculate what he wrote. What I wouldn't give for a DVD copy of what he wrote. I suspect he wrote their names of the guys who had been with this same woman who was caught in the act of adultery. I mean, how do you do that? How do you catch her in the act of adultery? Unless you're trying to catch her so that you can trap Jesus. That's another Bible study. But the finger of God wrote down in the sand. We see the finger of God. Now, here's the contrast. Listen, the finger of God through Moses showed judgment. The finger of God through Jesus shows joy. The finger of God through Moses represents the law. The finger of God through Jesus represents grace and mercy. You see that as you contrast the Old Testament, from the, in the New Testament, you contrast them too. You see the difference. You understand? Say amen. amen. Yesterday, I was reading, and, and I came across this, this little article. And listen to this. In 1989, did you know? In 1989, a Philadelphia financial analyst uh, purchased an old picture of a country scene for $4, and he brought it because of the picture frame, not really necessarily because of the picture. And then one day he attempted to detach the frame from the picture, and a folded copy of the Declaration of Independence falls out. Two years later, he sold it for $2.4 million. Reminds you, this guy purchased this for four bucks. Four bucks. He sold it for $2.4 million. Later, it was purchased and then sold again, and this time for $8.14 million in an online auction. And I read that, and I thought to myself, you know, that document was signed by the founding fathers and declared America's independence. And you think about it, the value of it had everything to do with the signature on it, that it was, was hand-signed by the founding fathers. And I thought to myself, man, what would a document signed by the finger of God be worth? No value. What would it be worth? Now, remember, if you were with us, last week we talked about, and this is very important for you to Continue to keep in your mind. The law wasn't, was not given to make us righteous. It was given to show us we're a wreck. Remember we talked about that? 
Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 says, Therefore, the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. And after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. So the purpose of the law, you have to understand this, was to teach you. It was to be a tutor. We have the Greek word pedagogos, a tutor, a schoolmaster, to teach us that we are not righteous and that we are in need of a savior. The intention of the law was to show you you're a mess and you need a messiah. That's what the law is to teach. Now, we also noted the last time that we were together that the Ten Commandments or the law of God, Jesus simplified the law of God when asked what is the greatest, the mega, the biggest commandment, Jesus simplified all the law of God. And he said the mega, the biggest commandment is simply two things. Listen, number one, to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's the first tablet. And then secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second tablet, the two tables of stone. Jesus said it's not that difficult. He knows we're not that bright. And that's why he simplified it for us. Somebody say amen. Amen. I don't get it a lot. We don't get it. Jesus knows that. And so he says, look, let's just keep it simple, sailor. Kiss. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, sailor. Jesus said, look, the biggest, the greatest, the mega commandment is to love God right and to love your neighbor right. It's as simple as that. Well, we talked about that last time. We covered one commandment, the first commandment, the last time we were together. Tonight, get this, we're going to cover one more commandment. Amen. Amen. We are moving very quickly. Notice tonight we're going to cover the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or don't chisel yourself a God. Don't chisel yourself a God. Exodus chapter 20. I suspect you're already there. Look at Exodus chapter 20 and we pick up tonight in verse four. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. You shall not make for yourself, God says, a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, what does God say, saints? I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. You know if you've been with us, two and a half million Israelis have come out of the bondage of Egypt and they're headed toward their destiny, the promised land, the land of Canaan. And while they're traveling, don't you know, they've got their backpacks on and they're traveling and God has them stop at several campsites. And they finally found themselves at the base of Mount Sinai. 
And it was on the third morning. Remember that? On the third morning, there was thundering and lightning and a loud trumpet. And Mount Sinai was filled with smoke and quaked because of God's presence. And the Bible says that the people trembled. And God told Moses to tell the people to back off. And then God gave them the first commandment. We talked about it last week. You shall have no other gods before me. Then God gave them the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself a carved image and you shall not bow down to them and serve them. Now, listen close, because we need to make a distinction here. The commandment here, the second commandment is completely different than the first one. The first commandment says you shall have no other gods before me or you shall not have other gods. Remember, in my face or in my presence. It doesn't speak of precedence like you can have all the other gods you want after him. You knew that already, didn't you? No, that's not what it means. It means it speaks of presence. You shall not have any other gods in my presence or literally in my face. That's the first commandment. The second commandment, notice here in the second commandment, it it, it isn't a prohibition against worshiping false gods. The second commandment is a prohibition against worshiping the true God in a false way or making an image of the real God and what he looks like. You understand? Worshiping a prohibition against worshiping the true God in a false way or making an image of what the real God looks like. The interesting thing about the commandments is God tells us don't do this and don't do that and you shall not and you shall not because God knows that if he didn't tell us that we shouldn't, we would. So God says here, don't make any carved image of what I look like because he knew throughout eternity, throughout time and history that and in the future that man would begin to carve out images of him. And that's why God says, don't do it. And throughout history, it is very true in every culture. Very interesting. Every culture and every people have wondered what God looks like. Listen to this. The ancient Egyptians, they looked at the cow in the field, all tranquil, content eating on the grass, generous in giving milk, and they formed an opinion that God must be like the cow. Tranquil, serene, generous in giving milk, I guess. And when Israel made the golden calf, A few chapters later in the book of Exodus, they had in mind the idea of the carved image that they had learned back in Egypt. And we'll talk about that in our future studies. The American Indian looked at the eagle soaring high in the sky and and thought God must be like an eagle, soaring free and majestic. And on their totem poles at the top, they have an eagle. The Polynesians looked into the sea and they saw the giant sea turtle who would hide in his shell and it's an impenetrable fortress. And they thought this is what God is like, the sea turtle impenetrable. Every people have come up with their image of what they believe God looks like. 
Now, we need to understand something here about this second commandment. This is not a condemnation against art. God is not saying, I don't appreciate art. God is not condemning making art. What he is condemning is making art and then bowing down to it as God. You understand so far? God, listen, y'all. God is into art. He's the greatest artist. And they wasn't Da Vinci. Who else? (laughs) I'm not into art. (laughs) God is into art. Man, you can't miss that. Look at the sky. It's just beautiful. Look at the landscape of, of the earth. Go to some of the locations throughout the United States and even in the world. God is into art. Hey, listen, read your Bible. The tabernacle. It was just beautiful. Had you ever, there was this man named, um, he was an artisan. His name was uh, Beziel or Beziel. That's his name. I think it's in Chronicles. And he was the guy who, um, don't quote me on that, but Beziel, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Is that right? Yeah, okay, good. And uh, y'all shaking your heads, I'm assuming you know, right? Okay. And uh, he was the guy who carved out all of the beautiful furniture in the tabernacle. It was just beautiful. And you had in the tabernacle, you had the pomegranate and all these beautiful ornaments and palm trees that were carved. And, and in the curtain, in the veil of the temple, there was these cherubim that were, were, were embroidered in gold in the tabernacle on the, on the curtains there. God loves art and God loves beautiful things. What this is saying is don't chisel out a carved image and call it God and then begin to worship and serve it. God says, listen, don't look at the sky and say, oh, this is what God is like. Don't conjure up in your mind your perception of God and make an idol. So then the question arises, If we can't get our clues about what God is like from creation, then Rodney, how can we know what God is like? Well, I think the Bible is very, very clear about that. Keep your finger in Exodus and turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, and turn quickly. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. How can we know God? How can we know what God looks like? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And if you go to 1 Thessalonians, you've gone too far. Back up. It's on page 1045. Colossians. Look at Colossians chapter 1. And... uh, You might want to take some notes here. Look at this. I got a lot to give you right here. Colossians chapter 1. And saints, look at, uh, I like to pick up about verse 13. If you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. Verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, chapter 1, verse 13, and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of his love 
in whom, in verse 14, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Notice in verse 15, and he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Stop right there. Look at me. What Paul is speaking about is Jesus. I think you can get that. And when he uses this word image here in Colossians in verse 15, he is the image. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. This word image means the exact representation and revelation of God. The exact, that's the operative word, the exact representation and revelation of God. So Paul is saying, listen, Jesus is the exact representation and revelation of the Father. If you want to know what God looks like, then you need to look at who, saints? Jesus. You know. You might remember Jesus said, if you, John 14, 7, Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.